Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and today I have Elizabeth Wood with me today. So considered an advanced seer, Elizabeth Wood works on the cutting edge of galactic and quantum anthropology, trauma healing, and futurism. With her lifelong ability to see into and work with all dimensions, her theoretical and psychic work has helped people all over the world. Called Living Library and Oracle, Elizabeth has spent her whole life studying anthropological theory, quantum physics, ancient and modern medicine. She has two science degrees, including a master's in applied anthropology. Her philosophies and practices bridge science and spirituality support real change in the world. Elizabeth, thank you for joining me today. I'm so thrilled to have you. I'm really excited too. We're going to have a good talk today. We are super excited. So let's start before we get into mystical dreaming. Let's start for our listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, how you started, were you born with these gifts, and what was your journey up to today? It's been a rough ride. (laughs) (laughs) As so many talented, sensitive people out there would say, the gifts often didn't feel like a gift. And so... Um, I was born with the ability to see beyond the normal physical dimensions. And I believe in, in studying anthropology, we know that this is actually a human attribute, that everyone is psychic. And that psychic doesn't mean fortune telling at all. It doesn't mean that you're using any crutches either to be able to get information. Psychic ability is the natural ability for the human to be able to perceive using the gateway of imagination. And so we've been pretty swiftly cut off from our third eyes and I didn't have a choice. I couldn't be cut off from the third eye. So when people would say, well, your imagination isn't real, I'd have to silently disagree my whole life because it absolutely was real. And it not only was real, it gave me a doorway that opened up into layers of dimensionality and reality that are available and affecting us all the time. So I really actually tried to save myself by going into science because it was a very depressing lead up to that point. And I got I got into college um, while I was in high school still. So I... <clears throat> went into academia right away in order to try to make sense of this stuff because my parents, my dad was a scientist. So um, by hobby. So I went into anthropology pretty deeply to find out, are there other people like me? Is this normal? Am I normal? Because I was brought up with this concept of what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Or, Or why do you know this stuff? Like why, or plus, you know, when you're seeing stuff and you don't know the rules in your little kid, you just blab out, you know, the stuff you see. And well, it turns out it's not appropriate to tell everybody that so-and-so has a demon attached to them at a party. 
<laughs> but the that you know that was through uh you know lots of mistakes and lots of learning up to the point where I said I want to know is there actually anything wrong with me because I'm not so sure it didn't feel wrong it wasn't hallucination that was occurring at all that that's something I have experienced through PTSD and that doesn't feel good being able to be in your own body and use your incredible gift of the third eye, it feels good to do that. So in academia, finally, the answer was no, nothing's wrong with you. But there are names for people like you. <laughs> we know who you are. You're a seer, you're an oracle. You're Some people would say shaman, though that's not my skill set. Um, you're a psychic, you're a mystic. These, the, we know these people, they've been throughout time, incredibly important. They've played really great roles in history. So that settled me down into a position where I could actually say, all right, now I wanna see what I'm capable of. And I finished my master's degree um, as a theorist in anthropology, which is unusual, and tried to go get my PhD. But because I'm a theorist, no one really had the money or wanted to take the effort to try to embrace new theory in a very difficult and really pretty deep science. So I went ahead and asked source, show me what's next. And I ended up applying for a job with a woman who wrote the book called Unplugging the Patriarchy. And her name's Lucia Renee, and she's a mystic. And I didn't understand what mysticism was at all. Total noob to mysticism. This was over a decade ago. So I end up basically being the personal assistant to a mystic. And she hired me because I'm psychic. <laughs> Not because I have a cool degree. That was, that was nice. She hired me because I'm psychic. But I also didn't have any really no, no knowledge about the rules, no knowledge about how to navigate consciousness. Hmm. And so I had dabbled in that, but I'd always do stuff that was really inappropriate. And so she began to train me as a mystic and how to utilize my gifts properly. So over this past decade, I went through another 10 years of training and received sort of, I guess you could say now, my PhD in mysticism. <laughs> so, so here we have this moment in time where there is a bridging that has occurred. And it's not through just people like me. It's through average people saying, there's more to this than just what science is giving me or just what spirit is giving me. Could we use the scientific method to examine spiritual and uh, activity and consciousness? And the answer is yes. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. So I've been very graced to be in the wake of someone who has attained enlightenment over this past decade. I watched her actually attain this state and then be able to turn right back around and say to everyone around me, all right, let's reclaim this. Let's reclaim our third eye. Let's reclaim our heart and our body. Let's reclaim this idea of enlightenment. We're going to do full body enlightenment now. We're not just going to reach enlightenment with our mind. We're going to do it with our whole body. And we're going to live in harmony with the planet. So the effort and the goal 
that was originally very selfish, is there really anything wrong with me, has turned into the most beautiful journey into falling in love with humanity and knowing that there is always a road, every road goes home. And to be able to help people see that, feel that, and know that with their whole body. That's now what it's become and what that journey looked like. That's beautiful, Elizabeth. What a beautiful journey. It was intense. I love how it never gets Yeah, how the universe brought her to you so you could open up that arena as well and kind of put the pieces together. Yeah, surrender, surrender. When you're open and you say, here's what I'm imagining for myself. Here's how it feels to have that. And then the next step, which is the one that we always miss in manifesting, you give it away. You give it back to source and say, whatever gets to be created with this. When we try to hang on to what we're manifesting, we end up uh, having expectations and attachments, which cause that to be incapable of being able to appear in your life as the pure energy that it really is. And it can't have structure. You must allow it to be released because it will, it will manifest. It's just, it's going to be able to be free to manifest in the myriad of ways that we haven't considered. And that's exactly what happened in that moment. All right. All the doors were shut. So I imagine that I am not finished with my training and that I want a teacher to train me and to take me under their wing and to, to do this deeper than I ever could imagine. And then I released myself from my hope, my dream, because my hope and my dream are extremely limited into what source is, is capable of dreaming, what source is capable of imagining. I can't do that. I am a facet of that dream. I'm the creator being created. And when you're the creator being created, you know that when you create, you give back to the creation. And then the creation takes hold of it and, and manifests it in the life. And that's, that's instant manifestation. That minute that I decided, all right, academia is no longer where I will be trained. I am okay with that. I will surrender to this. And I released myself from the attachment of the dream. That's when I got that job. And that's how fast it can happen. And it always does when you surrender. Nice. And when we release it, it's beyond our capacity of imagination. You know, allow it's so cool to bring it to you. <laughs> it is. Always it's so there. beautiful. Yes. Let's see. Working with um, a galactic level that takes ancestral healing to a new level. So bringing in everything that you've learned, you know, through academia and everything you've learned on the mystical path. How has that taken you into new territory when you're looking back at everything ancestral? Yes. So galactic anthropology and quantum anthropology are these two very new branches of science. And they're real branches of science. It's not just me making up a title. <laughs> um, there's actually other people 
who are galactic and quantum anthropologists. In fact, I encourage people to go look that up. Quantum anthropology, there's a really great book written by, and it's really hard to read because it's really heady, but it's delicious. It's written by two professors out of the Czech Republic, and it's literally called quantum anthropology. So quantum anthropology, which is where we start to get into the galactic and the ancestral, mm-hmm. quantum anthropology is saying, how does quantum physics affect human culture and how, do he, how does human culture affect quantum physics? That is actually based in the idea that the observer affects everything, right? Yeah. And f- physics and quantum physics has proven that the observer is, is an effective part of every single model, every single experiment. You can never get to perfect objectivity if there's an observer. So that's basically anthropology in a nutshell, trying to be as objective as possible, studying our own species <laughs> and what we create. It's wonderful. So the quantum piece leads us to epigenetics, mm-hmm. which is the nature of DNA and its purpose. DNA really has two main purposes. One of them, and it's not just to create the cool, awesome structure of the human body, that evolves, that evolves. One of the main purposes is memory, is memory. You see, beings that lived in one dimension at a time, you know, and they they would be very mobile, but they didn't have a 3D physicality that they could ground in. They weren't able to maintain the memories of their experiences for their ancestors. So when DNA was created, and this is way, this is galactic history. This is billions of years ago. Uh, when DNA was created, that was one of the purposes. We'd like to maintain all of our experiences so that the memory can be available to anyone who uses the embodiments afterwards. The second reason is because human DNA and DNA in general doesn't just exist in a third dimensional form. It gives you access to all known 12 dimensions of consciousness. And it gives you access to be able to zoom around with your third eye anywhere in the universe. It gives you access to the whole universe. And that is the other reason. So access and memory. Well, when your access is basically usurped through subjugation and which humans have been facing the entire time we've been here, it's not our fault. The experiment in consciousness got hijacked lots of times. And then that usurping became basically trauma. Well, that memory of our DNA got denser and denser because it's filled with trauma, half a million years of trauma. So no wonder we come into these embodiments and we forget everything and we're frustrated already when you come in and you ask, what did I really sign up for? This sucks. Well, what we signed up for is to reclaim this embodiment. And of course, the planet herself is helping us do that. And and all of our galactic family. That leads us to the importance of healing our generational damage, all that baggage. Most of it's not even yours. 99.9% of it isn't yours. It's half a million years of it. So when we do emotional 
processing and meditation, you can reclaim your DNA. And as you do that, your body changes, you begin to heal faster, your mind becomes very still, you're capable of being in the present, and you attain what we call the state of enlightenment, where your soul and your body are fully functioning together, and there's 100% memory of who you are as a soul, and what has been going on with the human experiment and consciousness. That gives us also a chance to reclaim our star histories as souls. Those soul, the souls that we are have long histories here. And that's why it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's because I remember it. And that, that memory is very real. It, you can speak with authority from the soul, not from the Elizabeth experience, but from something much larger. So the galactic anthropology piece is saying, how has this galactic history affected us and where are our positions in this history? What can the galaxy expect from us now that we're reclaiming what we're capable of? What can the galaxy expect from you? And that's what's so cool about it. All of these vantage points in science that naturally bridge spiritual concepts without any without any suppression we get to finally stand with full body knowledge and remembrance and move forward here but the question will always be what can the world what can the galaxy expect from you now and that's so precious because that's us reclaiming the paradigm of empowerment. The paradigm of power over is done. And now we have a new paradigm being built simultaneously as the rest of it crumbles. And that's about empowerment. So I'm just so glad that these branches of science exist now. And as we understand how reclaiming the DNA is the healing of that ancestral memory, it doesn't mean that we're not going to feel sad. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. What it means is that sadness and suffering then don't have anything to stick to inside of you. That the lessons of the subjugation and trauma from our ancestors get fully embodied and, and embraced. That way we still learn from that half a million years of memory written in our DNA. We don't lose the learning. We only gain from it but then we get to move forward and create so much more in consciousness than we ever had a chance to. And that any of our ancestors did through the full body remembrance and the merger of the human body with the capabilities of the soul. And that's where we're going. And that's what the galaxy can expect from us. <laughs> awesome. That is beautiful. And I am so excited about that. Watching all the collective clearing that's going on, all of the collective healing, everyone bringing in what was and trying to create something new has been a beautiful experience to watch. Very hard experience to watch yes. and feel, definitely feel. But I'm so excited for our future. So looking at all of that, as a seer, what can, you know, the galaxy expect from us? Mm, yeah. In my years of interfacing with not just humans, but many, many beings. I have been building a lexicon 
of beings that I've interfaced with since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And um, that has been really important because you, you can apply all anthropological tools to interfacing with beings, even if they're not in a 3D form. So this interfacing has taught me what humans are actually gonna be bringing to and have been bringing to the table. The first thing is actually consent. We often imagine that everybody knows what consent is because we project being human on everything else around us, plants, animals, angels, all sorts of beings. We project our humanness on everything around us. And that's called anthropomorphization. Great weird word. But of course, that's not real. And in anthropology, we treat, we really quite quickly nip that in the bud. (laughs) And you want to, you're looking for where is the gap in knowledge? between myself and this being maybe this being is millions of years old that doesn't mean they're still not learning as the angels have taught me mm-hmm. and the key is always to consider what that gap is the biggest one that i've seen is consent you see the angels understand consent because they had to fight against half their brethren who decided that we were delicious sources of amazing energy and though that group of their species decided that we were better used as basically uh, beings to harvest energy from. And the angelic said, no, they need to have their sovereign experience. Well, they didn't agree on that and thus started the angelic demonic wars. Mm. But the, the angels, they have their prime directive. Don't go in and start messing with stuff unless they ask you that's consent. Well, most of the beings that we interface besides the angels don't have that concept and consent is key. That's why we have, for example, half a million Americans, just North Americans alone, not even in Canada, people in the USA, half a million people have been affected by abduction and 50 million people have been abducted over this period of about 100 years, less than like 75 years. That's a lot of people. Abduction is one of those great examples of, all right, what's really going on here? If you're gonna remain objective as an anthropologist, we're not gonna demonize any species. There's something that they are doing that they feel is incredibly necessary. And oftentimes the stories behind what actually happened to them and why they're doing that kind of stuff are really sad. And so the teaching of humanity to through forgiveness, and I'm speaking from personal experience on this, being someone who's been abducted three times, and I'm totally open about it mm-hmm. because we need to be, a lot of people have had this experience. The, um, the ability to forgive immediately helps us to begin to ask questions and give us a chance to understand what's missing. The number one thing we're going to bring to the table is consent and sovereignty will be the gift of that consent. The second two things which are related are universal compassion. 
not just compassion for those folks that you feel sorry for, or those beings that you feel sorry for, universal compassion for even the beings who seem to have only the worst agendas. That is necessary because they exist, they are loved. And that is source rule. The source rule is because it exists, it is loved, no matter how dark or difficult it is. And that's then the third piece, unconditional love. So we can bring to the table universal compassion, unconditional love and consent. Again, these three concepts are not universally understood. And that's one of the greatest things that the human species, because of our suffering, because of the crazy stuff that's happened to us, all of us, that we can be able to bring to the table for the whole galaxy. And it's great. I'm really excited about it. I've had very amazing experiences with beings who had terrible agendas. And by the time I was finished with them, everything was changed. Wow. Because we are totally, totally capable. We have so much more power than we were ever taught. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So I don't expect to get abducted again, but if I do, it, I actually know exactly how to manage that, how to interface from there. And I want people to know that they can, that it is possible, that this doesn't have to be traumatic anymore, that no matter what kinds of scary things are happening to you, you have so much power in your ability to love than you could ever imagine because you can't necessarily see yourself and what that love is doing to the beings around you, but it's immense. It's immense. This is why we've had thousands of different beings interested in us. We are so cool and so amazing as a species. Don't underestimate yourself in any of this. Your ability to bring this to the table is real. Wow, Elizabeth, that's awesome. Because not even, you know, just focusing on our own humanity, you know, here, on earth, on our planet and trying to teach that love and compassion and empathy, you know, but then taking it beyond. So for somebody who's had an experience like you, but hasn't really tapped into it or gotten any resolve out of it, what advice would you have for them? This is where the mystical act of merger comes into play. Every difficult experience we have has a frequency because everything's frequency. So we can use quantum physics immediately in any experience that we're having. And what we tend to have happen is an event will occur, there's a frequency about it or multiple frequencies involved in it. And we we don't really tend to think of things like this when nice things are going on, but that's also equally occurring everything's frequency. And so every experience you have is full of frequency. It's the quality of frequency that makes you uncomfortable. So let's say the term abduction, that's going to freak a lot of people out. Totally normal. Take that word. There's energy in it. Your body's feeling it. That's why you're reacting to it. Mm -hmm. Reaction is treasure. Triggers are treasure because they're showing you what density, what trauma is inside of you. And a lot of it, again, is not even yours. 
So if one of your ancestors, big family secret that grandma got abducted, (laughs) if one of your ancestors had that happen and you don't even know about it, but that word triggers you, there's something there for you to merge with. The way we get to know the trauma so it doesn't have power over us anymore is by welcoming the frequency of it. So abduction, for example, has a specific frequency. It's a peak separation experience. It's where you feel real separated from from everything because something terrible is happening that you didn't give permission for, basically is what abduction means. Uh So that would be a big breach of your sovereignty. Fair enough. Again, still just a frequency. So if you find it in your body, That's the next step. This is merger. You find it in your body. You find where it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's in your throat. Maybe it's in some weird part of your body, like your hand. Emotional body is going to show you where the trauma is built up, especially, and it'll move around. When we move through one layer and we welcome a layer, it might move to a different spot in your body. But the emotional body and the physical body are built to show you where this density is, we tend to ignore it because we forget that we have three brains. We have a brain mind that's trying to make sense of this. A lot of times we can't even remember what's happened to us. Abduction oftentimes is very subtle and subconscious and we don't remember the fullness of it with our brain mind. Don't worry about it. That's not the thing that the brain mind's good at. It's the heart mind that remembers. The heart doesn't regenerate. So that heart has been with you the whole time. He or she remembers everything, every tiny little detail. That's why even people with amnesia seem to be able to do lots of normal things because their body remembers. So then we have the gut mind, which is going to help you survive and help make sure you're right on track to thrive in harmony with nature, not in harmony with corrupted cultures, but in harmony with nature. So you can trust your body and you're going to know, okay, that triggered me. That word triggered me. Um, And maybe even my seeming nonchalantness about it triggered you too. Good. Then you're going to notice it. You're going to notice how it makes you feel in your body and you're just going to welcome it. I welcome this tension in my chest. I welcome it in my throat. When we welcome a frequency, we welcome our body. We give our body permission to merge with it so it can fully know it. Then there's no separation between you and the frequency. Then there's no more fear. There's no more resistance. And then there's no more suffering. Then the next time you hear the word abduction, you won't feel as much of the resistance in your body because you welcomed the frequency of it. Maybe there's a little more there. That's okay. You keep welcoming it until... The concept as a whole no longer triggers you. That's when you know you've been freed up of all the trash bags that have been built up in your DNA. You just did DNA healing. And you don't need to do a whole bunch of more stuff. Now it's just time to meditate and welcome all that light to fill up your DNA from there. Because you move trash bags out of the way, something has to replace it. Replace it with light. And as this occurs, then when terrible things happen, you go into a state of witness. 
And so the third time I was abducted, which was last September, not that long ago, uh, it was horrible. (laughs) But you know what? I knew exactly what to do. And in the moment, I began merging with what was happening to me. And it drew me into the greatest state of consciousness I've ever been in. Pure 100% universal compassion. And I'll never be the same because of that being. And I'm so grateful. Do I want to hang out with them? Definitely no. But if they show up, I'm not going to be afraid at all. Just like no longer am I afraid of the demonic at all. In fact, it's vice versa. (laughs) But it's because of that love. And that's what's possible. Anytime you're finding terror, pain, suffering, anger, all of these really difficult things that we resist, the resistance is what will kill you. You go in, you merge with it. You merge with what's showing up in your body and you're doing DNA clearing. You're healing your genetic lineage. You don't have to know what happened to grandma. It's written already in your DNA. You know because you can feel it. You don't have to know all the details. And that's what you do. That's how you manage. That's an act of mysticism that actually up levels the consciousness of our whole species. Yeah. So much healing in that. Yes. Aligning with the frequency, bringing it in and working on it on a cellular level, a DNA level. That's amazing. And you can use that across everything. So once you learn that tool, you can apply it to everything in your life that comes your way. Absolutely. And you can apply it both in ending resistance to difficult frequencies and making sure also that you're not overly attached to positive frequencies. Attachment is resistance too. And good, wonderful frequencies come and go through the through time and change and space. Just like the negative, what I what I would call separation frequencies, they come and go too. But the whole library of frequencies is maintained by love. Love holds all the frequencies. There is no duality in love. And what I'm saying is that the frequency of of abduction can even be loved for its genius role in giving us a chance to up-level our consciousness. That the frequencies of the most painful suffering that we could experience can be and are loved for their genius, important, masterful role in making sure that we end duality inside of ourselves and merge with source. And that's how I view it now. Now when the difficult stuff comes along, I see it with only pure love and it can be a very powerful entrance into mysticism. And that's what I would call mysticism is the navigation of consciousness through frequency in order to Allow yourself to be the ultimate witness, the creator being created, who loves the entire myriad of all of what is made in this universe and available, the whole library of frequencies. I just want to sit with that for a minute. It's 
been really hard <laughs> to get to it, but it's, um, it's so beautiful. And now, now I get it. Now there is only love. The whole of the universe is love. There isn't love versus hate or love versus fear. In fact, if you go really deep into the frequency of hate or fear, you're going to find love. And you can go into any frequency and find love. And that's the magic of it. And so this is, this is what it takes to show up each moment and say, what's showing up right now? What can I embrace? What frequency can cleanse me of this deep, deep trauma baggage stuck in my DNA? That's what those frequencies are there for. They will help you to shift many tens of thousands of trash bags all at once. (laughs) And how do we take that and shift where we are right now? Like, where are we right now? And how can we use that, you know, to help us through what's going on? So the earth now has taken us through quite the journey and mystical navigation is always examining the earth and she has a role always in our evolution. She picked us. And there's this concept that blocks us about how, and I hear it a lot. I call it the human hate program where people are like, humans are just parasites, blah, blah, blah. None of that's real. What's real is that the earth loves us. If she didn't want us on here, she could kick us off any second. I mean, that's what Yellowstone's for. So (laughs) she's got 10 million ways to get rid of us if she wanted to. She doesn't. She doesn't want to. She wants to take us with her. She chose to have humans evolve on her body. We are not separate from nature. We are not separate from the earth. And this whole idea of, say, for example, moving to a different planet. Well, our physical bodies have merged with and are built to be in harmony with this planet and her frequencies, not Mars. And this is the planet that is going to help us move into a culture and a collective of enlightenment. So here we have this chance. The earth has embodied in mysticism dimensions um, are many things, but the earth has embodied a very high dimension at a level that no one expected. She's embodied the ninth dimension. Everybody keeps talking about the fifth dimension. I'm like, you guys, we're not leaving the third dimension. (laughs) It's access to all dimensions that we're talking about. And besides, the fifth dimension's cool, but there's still duality there. Mm-hmm. You don't get into formlessness until you hit the seventh dimension. And so I, it, the job is to embody all of them all at once. And the earth has gone forward in consciousness farther than we ever expected. Around the summer solstice of this year, and many people could feel it because it got ramped up up to that point. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. But during the summer solstice of this year, she finally embodied the ninth dimension. What is that? The ninth dimension is pure formless love. It's so formless that you can barely clock it. You have to be really extra sensitive to clock this. And, and unless you understand and have been playing around in formlessness, it's, un, it's unusual for us to have been able to clock this. Even I can barely clock it. It's so formless. So, 
this energy is what is causing the crumbling of our paradigm. It's not because the systems are broke. It's because the earth, (laughs) it's because the earth is so formless. Now there's no floor. There's no floor. So from here, we are being asked to merge into that formlessness, allow formlessness to take over. It's going to force all the density, all the dualities, all the trauma, all the triggers, all the DNA stuff to the surface. That's what's happening right now. We can expect by the winter solstice that she will have actualized this. Actualization is a mystical process. You got to integrate something. You've got to acclimatize to it. First, you integrate it, which helps you embody it. You take it into the body, you become it, and then you actualize it. When you actualize it, you're a transmitter of it. She, at the winter solstice this year, will transmit love entirely. Her whole embodiment will. It is the absolute utter end of the matrix. What is left of the matrix is in our mind and in our DNA through that trauma the physicality of the matrix is finished. What's left is in our mind. And she requires us to be finished with that too, by learning to be in sovereign service, not leaving ourselves out anymore. And it's not selfless, it's sovereign. Sovereign service to say, I love myself finally. I can love me because the earth loves me because there is love here and source is all love and I am love. I am being created in love. And now I will create in love. And as we create in love, that's when we get to rebuild. And the rebuilding's occurring simultaneously while the crumbling's happening. Yes. So from a mystical perspective, we're right on track. The old experiment of consciousness, which was, can humans handle every level of hijacking and subjugation you can throw at them even between each other? Can they handle this? Could they survive this? Half a million years of it. Well, in fact, we did. We did, which makes us galactic badasses is what I think. And so we did. Now it's the time for us to step into a rebuilding phase. The rebuilding must start in your mind. You've got to rebuild. And culture change is something I'm an expert in. And that's what my theoretical work was in, was predictive models and culture change. I wanted to know, could you actually assess culture change down to a T and even predict what was possible in change? And all of that's still totally useful. But what I understood about culture change is that two things have to happen simultaneously for change to happen really fast, which it is. Mental change. You've got to have beliefs and mindset changes happen at the same time as physical changes. We've got all that covered. The earth is handling the physical part. There's not going to be much more of a physical part because she's dissolving it. That percolates through dimensions into the 3D. Just like any good change does, it's got to percolate through. Just like we're watching our political economy just become destroyed well it's got to percolate through that too yeah and so it will and it has been so all we have to do all we need to worry about is making sure our bodies 
are deeply grounded on the earth. Take it literally. Get barefoot as much as you can. Be on the planet. Hug trees. Hang out in the water. Be with the earth. See the earth. Be with nature. That's number one. But then the other one is a mindset change. What if there was no power over anymore? What if there was no power it systems in human in human culture anymore what if we removed all the power over energetics where there was people in charge and responsible over other people what if we were in a state of equanimity and we had to start over and there there was nothing for it and that that was what we have to do be able to imagine that and see what shows up in your relationships be willing to interact at a natural local level and watch how those rules of consent, compassion, and love want to come in. They want to come in and be the foundation of what all of our new meritocracy-based governance and politics and economics will look like. So it takes a lot of patience, but erase all of your attachments to all the structures and all the systems that's what you can do right now to take advantage of this time while simultaneously earth's got your back just make sure you connect to her so she can have that physical part taken care of for you that's where we're going and that's what we can do as individuals to take advantage of this time nice and there's a lot of self-care in that as our bodies adjust You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the frequencies that are coming in and our physical bodies having to adjust to the new energy that's running through is a thing. Like those (laughs) pains and you're super tired or you're cranky or you're anxious or you're depressed are all symptoms of your body trying to catch up to the energetic shifts that are going on through being connected to Gaia. Yeah. Yeah. like one of my friends says we're on the transition team transitioning or moving or rebuilding or all you know in this case demolition and simultaneously rebuilding is tough it's tough and um that self-care is the end of the selfless service and the beginning of sovereign service where you are counting yourself in what needs to be cared for and it's pretty radical because it gives you a chance to, to end the whole self-hatred, uh, the paradigm of power over really cultivates self-hatred, which is why there's that whole uh, human hate program in the first place. It was based off of that. So you're undoing all that damage by caring about you and taking naps and baths and walking in the woods and eating quality, healthy food and All these things are part of it. Don't underestimate how your personal self-care and evolution actually carve the way in consciousness for the collective to do that same work for you and for themselves. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that, Elizabeth. So important. Now, how can we, um, let's bring in the mystical dreaming. So what is it and how can we do this naturally and how can it help support us you know, through what's going on right now, help us evolve. Good. So this is um, this is advanced level mysticism, which everybody can handle. And it is the concept of mystical dreaming is an ancient one. It is not daydreaming. 
it might look like that at first, but that's not what's happening. And it is not going to sleep and dreaming either. Mystical dreaming is purposefully stepping into your imagination, which is a doorway. Not trying to, and here's the second piece, daydreaming is when you are controlling what you're doing in your dreams. So let's say you're standing in line at the grocery and you're daydreaming about what it would be like to be on a tropical island right now. That would be daydreaming, but you're controlling what you're experiencing. You're purposefully imagining palm trees and sunshine and sand and smells and water. But in this case, you're not going to control it. You're going to open yourself up to source, the creator who creates you and you simultaneously gazing at source. And you're going to open up and you're going to imagine, you begin to imagine a situation that needs to be resolved. That's a good place to start. Eventually you don't have to bring that in to dream, but the, result the resolving of a situation can give the brain mind something to focus on so here's a good example let's say you're trying to dream up the healing of your relationship that you're in could be any relationship your parents could be with your partner your kid anyone you want to you're trying to dream up the solution or the healing of that relationship So you're going to first imagine them, imagining the person in front of you. And then you surrender the whole situation to source. Source, show me what's possible. What words are said in this healing? What deeds are done in this healing? How does it pan out in a longer term? What what does a month of this healing look like? What does a year of this healing look like? What does several years of this healing look like? And you're not going to control what you're perceiving. You're opening up to what's possible. There's trillions and trillions and trillions of timelines. Eventually, you begin to perceive that there are no timelines. It's all just a big ocean of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And every moment you're navigating where you're going to go in that ocean. But it all goes to the same place. So we don't have to have attachments to timelines anymore. I think that's detrimental. People worry about the future too much. And when they're attached to a timeline, you're constricting, like I said at the beginning, you're constricting what's possible. So you're saying, source, if I was to, you know, release the wheel of navigating for this problem that I'm solving, what is, what is the boat want to, where does the boat want to take me? What is the currents of consciousness and creation? Where do they take us? And what does that look like for this little small situation, this relationship I have? And then it unfolds and there's words and deeds and outcomes that you'd never thought of that will show up because you're allowing source to show you it's already been thought of through source. So you're just literally tapping into the imagination of source is what mystical dreaming is. Now let's, that was a personal example with a sm- what we would say a personal situation or problem. You can take the same skill and apply it to the globe. Sit in meditation as you get 
some practice, build yourself up to this because it can be really overwhelming. And a lot of the times as people are practicing with their third eye, they get frustrated because they're not sure what they're seeing is real. And you really have to drop that whole entire program. What you're seeing is real. It's all real. And you will not know or understand 99.9% of it. You're not supposed to. (laughs) That's impossible. Your brain's only so big. So stop trying to know it. Stop trying to understand it. Stop trying to worry about if it's real or not and allow it. Third eye seeing, most of it is just allowing what's possible. And people find that they can see stuff so well, they just never realized that that was all seeing. Your imagination, the visuals that pop into your mind throughout the day, the words, these are all part of it. And then there's even smells and touch and taste involved eventually. But you can take yourself and position yourself and say, source, what is the dream for earth? And that's what I do now as a mystic every day. What's the dream for earth? The dream is, is, is part of me and I'm part of it. So I'm not separating myself from the problem of earth and the human evolution. But I'm asking source to guide us and navigate into consciousness what's possible. What this does is it carves out a really nice road in consciousness for what's possible. It's not me trying to control a timeline or envision exactly what has to happen. It's me surrendering to what's possible. Some of the very best, highest timelines that are also full of really amazing learning, not free of suffering. There's no timeline free of suffering. That's not gonna work. As we know, the library includes half of the frequencies are not very pleasant to experience. But this guides us then to allow this whole entire road to be opened up for the whole collective. So mystical dreaming is almost like you taking a machete into the wilderness and saying, all right, I'm going to cut a path in consciousness by allowing it in my mind, in my heart, in my field, in my soul. I'm going to allow myself to see what's possible and so that gives then a nice deeper possible sort of movement of consciousness and from the collective to be able to settle into this timeline or navigation of consciousness that leads us to some really peak evolution experiences now of course any timeline that happens humans fail and we all just totally we get kicked off earth or whatever and then the earth explodes or that's possible and it still leads us home (laughs) all the timelines go to one place source Mm -hmm. there you can't fail in consciousness in this universe you cannot fail in consciousness in this universe stop thinking that you can fail and that you're failing that's not real that's what's keeping you trapped in a really not not nice frequency Mm. so you hang out in neutrality and unconditional love 
you allow the dream of what's possible to move through you. You're getting out of the way for this dream, the mystical dream, whether it's for a personal problem or a universal one, doesn't matter. And anything in between, all of us are capable of being able to dream the healing of our communities, the healing of our different relationships between different divided groups is all totally available if you're willing to surrender to that possibility. That's what mystical dreaming is. And it's something that, again, we can all do. Uh And hopefully people will just simply start with something that's in front of them. So like, let's say today you might listen to this and some issue happens at work or some little problem, maybe it's a tech problem. Take a pause, surrender, ask, source, show me what's possible for this problem to be resolved and then allow it to unfold for you. You'll see many possibilities and then your consciousness naturally gets drawn into one. Again, you're not trying to control this. So you might see 10 different possibilities. Half of them are terrible, half of them aren't. And just notice how your consciousness gets gently drawn like a current. It's, these are the currents of creation into a possible outcome. And then let it unfold without controlling it. Let it show up. What are the words, deeds, and actions that show up? And by doing this, you'll feel way more confident and capable. And you'll have some tools. Does that mean that that possibility will be the exact one that unfolds? No, nope, it doesn't. What it means is that it's available. And now you'll know, okay, well, in that vision I saw, I said this particular thing, which is not something I normally say. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. You keep, you keep getting to choose each moment whether or not you're going to navigate into that consciousness, just like all the collective is choosing each moment to navigate together into this or not. But by your personal choice and your awareness of what's possible, then you can totally create and co-create with source these outcomes. So this is what mystical dreaming is. It's very unattached. It has to do with surrender. It gives you a chance to utilize what's possible in all the dimensions and give you a chance to also find more trauma triggers baggage or programming than you need to move out of the way to make this happen Mm -hmm. but i find that mystical dreaming can be so mind-blowing for people who have felt so out of control in their lives it gives them a chance to know that everything does go home everything's gonna be okay no matter what happens we all go home to source to that love and that we we are navigating this and that there are wonderful wonderful timelines and currents of consciousness that take us into more and more oneness and light so i think that this can be a deeply empowering concept for people and i wanted to make sure we could address it a little bit today Wonderful. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's a great practice. And for those wondering how they can move themselves out of the way, you know, you sit down to meditate and all of a sudden your brain kicks on. So how can we scoot that out of the way? Do you have any advice for someone yeah. who's struggling with Stop that? Stop trying to do closed-eyed meditation. 
I can't do closed-eyed meditation. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I've tried for a decade or longer. There is a different kind of meditation you can do. It's deeper, it's faster. And it uses the ability of your actual eyeballs to have a lot more control over your brain than you think. Do gazing meditation. Pull up the Sri Yantra, S-R-I-Y-A-N-T-R-A. The Sri Yantra is a very, very, very ancient tool in consciousness that was handed down by the galactics to ancient peoples who were working on the embodiment of all dimensions. And this Sri Yantra, what it does scientifically, and I'm talking about real actual scientific studies on brain pattern waves, both in Russia and the United States, when you do gazing at the Sri Yantra, you're trying to gaze at the center of the Yantra mm-hmm. and you're gonna keep your eyes nice and centered on it. You're centering the eyes. You're trying to still your eyeballs. Your eyeballs are literally a branch of your brain. And when you still your eyeballs, everything tends to disappear because the micro movements of your eyes stop. Um, and those micro movements are actually what make it so you can see all those stuff, even through your peripheral vision. When you're stopping the micro movements of the eyes by gazing centrally at a mandala like that, it all disappears. You don't see anything anymore. It all turns to light. And you begin to perceive what we call the light of consciousness. It looks like particles of consciousness all made of light, for real. And anyone can do this. You don't have to be spiritual to see this. You don't have to be psychic to see it either. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be stilling your eyes. You're gazing at this. You're not supposed to do it for really more than like five or ten minutes. Thank God. Because I can't sit still for 60 minutes with my eyes shut. <laughs> um, so... You're doing it for about five or 10 minutes. And you're, what you're doing is also stilling the brain. The, these two things combined, the meditation of gazing and stillness of the mind, and then the utilization of the Sri Yantra have been shown to throw the brain deep into gamma, theta, delta, all the fun, really important brain wavelengths that give you multidimensional access. So don't fuss around with trying to force yourself into all these boxes. There's so many more things for you to play with. When you're needing to still yourself and just surrender and get out of the way, use your physical body and its capabilities to help you. Try gazing and try the Sri Yantra and notice that it'll all turn to white. And then you feel open and free and one and still, and it works wonders. It works wonders for being able to get out of the way. And you can do it anywhere. You don't have to just gaze at the Sri Yantra. You can gaze at a flower. You can gaze at something natural. You could gaze at anything. You could gaze at a dot on the wall. It doesn't matter. You could gaze into your partner's eyes, or you could stand in front of the mirror and gaze into your own eyes. That's really trippy. You should try that. It's really fun. That's psychedelic. But uh, this is what's possible. You don't have to have 
a whole bunch of mystical training or psychic capabilities to get really awesome, beautiful experiences and learn more and more how to get out of the way. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for that tool. <laughs> My wow, pleasure. Today's talk has been awesome. So much great information. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah. I want people to begin to talk to your body. What I just showed you with the meditation piece is how to get your brain mind to be still, your mental body. But you need to talk to your body. It's deeply intelligent. Most of the body isn't even you. It's bacteria. You're a symbiotic, living, composite of many billions and billions of conscious beings. And your soul is the guide of these beings. Your soul also defines how your body looks. That's why when people begin to work on their consciousness, their body heals, or they look different, or they look lighter or brighter. It's true. It's very, very real. Mm -hmm. And the average person can see it. My husband saw a picture or a video of my teacher, and he's like, is she glowing? I'm like, yeah, she's totally glowing. <laughs> it's real. And so you know, trust that your soul knows this stuff. It, it, it naturally knows, but your, so does your body. So you need to talk to your body. It's not just the brain mind being in charge anymore. We can't do that anymore. That's not how we'll navigate consciousness. So especially talk to your heart and talk to your gut. Ask them questions. Use what I call full body discernment. Your brain is good at pros and cons, logic and transactions. And that's about it. And the heart is really good at perfect body memory. So he or she's going to remember without prejudice, without erasing or magnifying memory. Remember what it's like to be you. Does that mean that it's going to jump into new experiences all the time? Definitely not. The heart often will be like, well, I don't have experience with this, so I'm afraid. And we need to work with our heart and guide it as a soul. And we say, that's okay. Welcome the fear. We're on the right track. That's a clue. Follow your fear. It's what I always tell people. You want to know what to look at next? Follow your fear. Follow your fear. Follow your suffering and follow your discomfort. And you'll always get higher faster. And the other thing is to ask your gut, to talk to your gut. Because the gut is your direct contact to the bacteria in your body, which are also in your brain and all over your body, in every little part of you. So you're, you have direct contact to an entire, literal, unique system of consciousness that wants to help you thrive and live as long as possible. And so talk to your heart. Talk to your heart if you're an empath. Ask, is this energy mine or is it the collectives? Ask it regularly and your heart will show you and you'll be free of the pain and suffering of being an empath. And you can actually find it's a superpower, just like I found being psychic is a superpower. And then, of course, keep discussing your tasks and deeds and events and problems with these two brains, your heart and your gut. They will give you guidance. Tension isn't always a bad thing. The constriction of the heart or gut to say no is going to give you a clear guide of where you need to go, even if your brain says you need to go there. And so just keep asking, keep talking to your body. It is the greatest tool you'll ever get a hold of. 
And that's a good start to begin to know that you're working in tandem with your embodiment and all the consciousness that it contains. You are a universe in a very literal way, the creator being created who creates. And so there is nothing stopping you from using your whole body to determine every next step. You don't need a psychic to tell you what you need to do. Ask your body and you'll know. Oh, that's beautiful, Elizabeth. There's so much self-empowerment in that. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad. I like to tell people, hey, my job's to make sure you don't need me. Mm -hmm. And that's empowerment. That's what we're looking for. Yes. Yes. So how can people reach you? And what? (laughs) Good. So if you do need me, (laughs) if you do need me, I love to help all types of folks, everyone, all ages. People say, who's your niche? I'm like, uh, humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seerandscientist.com is the best way to reach me. And right now I'm teaching a bunch of classes on uh, the next one coming up is on compassionate communication. Nice. And I'm going to do a healing. It's an intensive um, on November 1st, right before the U.S. election on the Day of the Dead. Nice open day. And so we're going to do a deep healing of of communication and it's one of the grandest abilities that humans have but we're going to do a deep deep healing and i'm going to guide everyone through a two hour long healing then we're going to take a break and we're going to go even deeper where i'm going to train you how to use this concept of compassionate communication not just with humans but with all beings And so that's uh, November 1st. And you can find out about those kinds of classes at 12starspublishing.com. And there's a learning collective there that I'm part of. So that's a really, really special place and very glad. And hopefully people will come and join either the replay or the live. I teach something all the time. There's tons of ways to work with me. And of course, I always enjoy doing sessions as well. So lots of different ways. And I hope people will find what works best for them. Wonderful. Thank you, Elizabeth. And I hope everybody gives you a call and checks out your material. You have wonderful work. Thank, Thank you, you so Liz. Much for joining me. Oh, I'm so, so glad too. I love your heart and how clear you are. It shows how much work you've done in consciousness. It's been purely easy for us to be able to connect today. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you everyone for joining me with on Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and have a great day, everybody. Remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.